0: And there we go. Uh, Job chapter 32 is where we're going to be. um, And uh, through, uh, we're going to start in verse one here. Uh, We're getting back to the awkwardness of talking to a computer here. So, uh, just going to have to bear with us this morning. Uh, So, uh, we're going to read. just the the first section here in in verse uh, thirty two here uh, or chapter thirty two he says uh, these three men stopped answering Job. If you remember uh, uh, job has uh, finished his speaking, the words of Job were ended in the previous chapter. so he says, the three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes, and the wrath of Eli, the son Elihu, the son of Barakel the Buzzite of the family of Ram was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God and also against his three friends. His wrath was also aroused because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. So because they were years older than he, Elihu had waited to speak to Job. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he became angry. So Elihu, the son of Barakel the Buzite, answered and said, I'm young in years, and you are very old, so therefore I was afraid I didn't declare my opinion. I said age should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Great men are not always wise, and nor do the aged always understand justice. So I want to introduce uh, Elihu here just a little bit, Um, and... um, Get an idea of of who he was uh, first um, so um, and if you have any chat comments or questions, uh, feel free to get those and we'll try to try to answer those <clears throat> uh, as best as we can in time so who was this uh this actually gives us a little indication of who he was and maybe even the time of of when we we've, we've talked about him being pretty early, and I think this kind of confirms. The area of when we've talked about, he is a buzzite. Which who in the world would name their kid Buzz? I don't know. Um, but uh, if we if we went back, we'd find that he's a relative of Abraham. Elihu is. Uh, Abraham had a brother uh, named Nahor, uh, and he had a son named Buzz. So apparently Abraham's brother would name his son Buzz. Uh, who had a son named Ram. Uh, So that pretty much confirms that this has got to be the same family. Um, And uh, so then we have uh, a son, at least a son named Barakel and then Elihu. So at least five generations if if, uh, Job hasn't skipped any. So um, of course, if we followed Abraham's uh, lineage, five generations, we'd find ourselves in Egypt. Um, but of course, what do we know about Egypt or uh, uh, Abraham's lineage? Well, Abraham had his first son at how old? Uh, about a hundred. Um, and Isaac was about sixty when Jacob was born. And uh, there are estimates that Jacob didn't get married till he was about seventy-five. So it, it's possible that Elihu is a young man uh, here. Uh, so Job being a little bit older, Job might have been you know, contemporary for uh, with with Isaac or Jacob, as we've talked about. So it's uh, not not really that important, um, but just kind of confirms that we're talking about a fairly early uh, book. Um, Now, there is some interesting things in this um, in this chapter. um, And um, I actually I want to go through the end of the chapter here. um, But Um, uh, because there are some details as we introduce uh, Elihu, he says therefore I say listen to me I will declare my opinion indeed I waited for your words I listened to your reasonings while you searched out what to say I paid close attention to you and not one of you convinced Job or answered his words so that you can say oh we found wisdom God will vanquish him not man Now, he has not directed his words against me, so I'm not going to answer him with your words. They are dismayed and answer no more. Words escape them, and I have waited because they didn't speak, because they stood still and answered no more. And So I will answer my part, and I will declare my opinion, for I am full of words. The spirit within me compels me. Indeed, my belly is like wine that has no vent. Uh, It is ready to burst open like a new wineskin. I will... Speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray, show partiality to anyone. Do not let me flatter any man, for I do not know how to flatter, or else my maker would soon take me away. Um, So there is a debate um, over whether he's a prophet or not. Uh, And so... um, I would say a couple of things to that. Um, It's not 100% conclusive, first of all, Uh, but he does display here a reverent um, but very resolute uh, attitude that is characteristic of prophets. Uh, So if he's not a prophet, he certainly has the character of one. Um, And as we said, who wrote the story? Somebody wrote the story that seems to know the story and knows how it turned out after and knows how long uh, job lived uh, after he died is familiar with somebody who 's uh, not a jew, so not not connected to the Jews and um, and I, I want to look here at a couple of verses that we read here verse um, Verse seventeen, he says, "I will answer my part. I will declare my opinion. I am full of words, but the spirit within me compels me." Um, and and then down in verse twenty two, he says, "I do not know how to flatter, or else my maker would soon take me away." And it se- he seems to be indicating a, a spiritual influence, not just a not just a personal one. So I would say that that if I was betting, I don't again, I don't know what he is, but whether he is or isn't, <clears throat> but I would say that. Um, I would put my money on him being a prophet uh, and speaking on behalf of God uh, rather than against that. But I want to look at um, some things here. Uh, If you look at this chapter, if you have chapter headings, um, who is this uh, chapter dedicated to? Um, This chapter seems to be dedicated to Eli, who, or um, Job's, Enemies, uh, frenemies. Uh, not sure acquaintances. What what you would call them at this point. Um, but but Elihu contradicts Job's friends is what my heading uh, says here at the at the beginning of this. And yet, who's the first person that Elihu gets angry at? It's Job, right? Job is the first person. Uh, it says. Uh, way back up here in verse two, that his anger was aroused against Job because he justified himself rather than God. So here we are, the one chapter that's supposed to be about Job's friends, and it starts out about Job. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and after this, um, from verse or from chapter 33 to uh, chapter 37, Elihu is going to address exclusively Job. And... Um, And then God's going to come in and address Job for several chapters and then kind of have a short little thing uh, about Job's friends. So apparently they're going to be watching this whole thing. I I kind of was reading through this and you read through it and you think, okay, they kind of exit stage left, but they don't. They're here for the whole thing. Um, So maybe at this point, they think they're going to get off as soon as Elihu's finished with Job, but they're not. Um, So He's he's first angry at Job, yet it seems like as he's talking, he gets angry at these men, uh, and he's going to address them. So why is it that we've gone through this chapter, I want you to think about who we've most identified with. We've most identified with Job. Job started off, and he's righteous in his integrity and all these things, right? Um, yet... Uh, God spends most of his time, whether in person or uh, through Elihu, he's, uh, he spends most of his time on Job. And we're going to talk about why. And I think it's important why. Um, what is his criticism of Job in this chapter? I mean, even in the one chapter that, that is supposed to be dedicated to these three guys, he's criticizing Job. So, so Job doesn't even get off in this chapter. What's his criticism? I'm not sure if I'm getting chats here or not, or if anybody is, but um, it's that he was um, he was the, the friends were upset. They stopped answering him because he was righteous in his own eyes. Right? And then and then kind of Elihu comes to the same conclusion. You're justifying yourself rather than God. And so, so on that note, kind of Elihu kind of agrees with, with these three guys, um, but he's, um, he's justifying himself. Now, this doesn't say that Job was unrighteous necessarily, uh, retroactively. It doesn't say that he shouldn't have defended his honor, but the point is that he did so at the expense of defending God's honor. Uh, you remember the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus in the, in the New Testament, and <clears throat> and so uh, here's the rich man and Lazarus, and uh, God didn't say, well, you're bad because you have money. He just said, the problem is, is that you were rich Towards yourself and not towards God, uh, and, and by not helping the poor people, and so it, it's a comparative thing, um, and, and I think that it's a similar idea with with what he's saying to to uh, to Job. You're not you're not being rich towards me. Okay, so so. Um, uh Marty they have no way to argue uh with job about what they said. Uh and we're gonna get into that actually. Um and and that's kind of the point here is they shut up. They they don't have much of a way to argue and 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 Elihu's going to point that out uh in detail as we go through this chapter. Uh so he he definitely addresses their their poor logic and things like that. So we're going to come back to Joe uh, a little bit, and we'll do some application here at the end of this chapter. Uh, but we want to get into the, the criticisms of these three men, because that is where Elihu spends the bulk of this chapter. Um, what, what seems to be his biggest issue? He mentions it four times, in fact. Uh, what does he mention a lot about uh, their big problem? What's their big problem? In verse, uh, if we read. In verse three, it says, um, "His anger was aroused uh, because they found no answer, but condemned Job." Then uh, down again in verse uh, five, Elihu saw there was no answer in their mouth, um, and then uh, it's again in verse fifteen they are dismayed and answer no more. Uh, words escaped them, and I've waited because they didn't speak. They stood still and answered no more. So, um, uh, he's he's younger, uh, and, and and somehow he's smarter. Uh, and and he's smarts doesn't necessarily have to do with how much you know. It has to do with your ability to observe. And what he's set there and he's just kind of watched this whole thing, and he's watched them. Never really answer what job said, so it's interesting that that job is going to get the brunt of his anger, uh, even though Job was in a lot of ways more correct, and we've kind of noted how off base they were they were they were all a little incorrect in their assumptions, but but job is going to get the, the worst brunt, even though he was a little bit more correct, which is kind of interesting, uh, but they were they found it incapable to answer him, uh, so that was. Uh, the first thing now, maybe it started out as an inability to answer him, but at some point, you know, you don't have the answer for a reason. There was no answer. What is the appropriate response at that time? Uh, now, even and, and, and keep in mind, he started speaking and they still don't have an answer at this point, And to the end of this chapter, they still don't have an answer. They still don't reply they don't say anything what is the correct response at that point in time and, well if you were job what response would you want oh well, uh if you were elihu and a prophet it, it, what what response would you expect to a message from god wouldn't you at least expect an apology you know okay you know what we were and it, there's no apology here there's, there's nothing uh now Again, they're not out of the story. Uh we're going to come back to them. But at this point, there's still no response. I mean, th- this is the height of pride. Um So, um so nothing. So so the first criticism is that they had no answer. All right. And verse 9, what is the uh what's the, another thing we're not necessarily going uh uh in order here. Um or order of importance, but uh, the, uh, Marty mentions that he's wiser than them. He says, great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. So another criticism of them is their uh, inability to understand justice. And what's been their incorrect position on justice? Specifically, haven't they spoken incorrectly on behalf of God to identify His justice as when someone does something bad, God immediately strikes them down? And that's been their observations of justice. And He's like, just because you're older than me doesn't mean you know how God works. Um, so, so they have incorrectly characterized um, doctrinal um, doctrinal things. Um, right? Job, you must have done something. Uh, you you did bad, so therefore uh, you you're because this is how it always works. And we we looked at all their bad logic. So they've had no answer. They are incorrect on their position concerning justice. Um, and so Elihu alerts them to the fact that just because you're elite and just because you're older and just because you have all this influence and power and position, it doesn't make you right. Uh, so so that's the second thing. Um, and uh, there's a couple of uh, statements here um, that kind of go along with the same idea. Um, another thing that's wrong uh, It says uh, they had found no uh, answer back up in verse three and yet had condemned Job. And if we travel on down um, to verse 12, it says, I paid close attention to you. I was I was listening very carefully and uh, not one of you convinced Job or answered his words. And uh, I want to talk about this word convinced because it's uh, it has nothing to do with your originally the word didn't necessarily mean your ability to persuade somebody, right, that's how we used it, oh I convinced them to do this, or that's how we use the word convince, but it's actually, it would have been like a, a word used in a legal sense, like if you had persuaded a judge or persuaded a jury. Um, so it is that kind of a persuasion, that it means more to convict uh, than to convince like our modern usage. So Um, So here he is, he's saying, none of you, I've listened really closely, I've paid close attention to all of your arguments and your logic, and not one of you has been able to give a good defense for Job's guilt, you've not, you've not given, or we could say, you've not given a convincing argument, say it like that. Uh, So they have unjustly condemned him. Is is the 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 other uh, or another of these wrongs that they've done? Um, condemn a man without evidence. Uh, so that goes along with their their inability to understand justice, uh, which is kind of the previous point. And then um, I want to look at verse fourteen. He's, he says, "Now." He has not directed his words against me, talking about Job. So Elihu is saying, uh, Job has not directed his words against me, so I will not answer him with your words. And that's kind of an interesting statement. Uh, and what is he saying by this? And, and I, I thought about it and read a lot about it. And I think it, it's a kind of a statement with, with two purposes, perhaps. Um, so first of all, he's he's declaring, I'm not going to use the type of arguments you use. You guys have horrible arguments, and I, I and, and and it's more than that. Um, he 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 says, Job hasn't uh, spoken to me like he spoke to you. In other words, I'm not emotionally invested. Um, I've just kind of stayed back and I've kind of watched you guys and I've watched this whole thing. He's never, Job and this whole discourse, I mean, think if, if we're going th- back through and, and reading Job uh, fly on a wall, we don't even get the idea that Elihu's been here. We kind of get the, you know, if you just read this quick, you kind of get the idea that Elihu walked up at the end and started talking. But he's been there for the whole thing, uh, which is interesting. Uh, he's been there for all of these speeches, um, so they took place maybe in a public place, or however, maybe he's a next door neighbor. I don't know. Uh, Elihu's kind of an interesting guy. Um, but but, but he's am I'm, I'm, I'm not emotionally invested in this, so I'm not going to answer him the way you have, which kind of begs the question, this is really also, it's not just a statement about his approach. Elihu's approach but it's a statement about or it's a criticism of of what their this process has been through them He's saying you know um, you guys have been increasingly defensive in, in in the way you've done you've let yourself respond out of emotion in other words your response is again he has not directed his words against me so I will not answer him with your words it's kind of the reason you've had all these arguments is because Job has spoken to you a particular way. You've got upset about it, and this has formulated all of your arguments against Job. And this is why all the injustice uh, and and all the you know all the the judging without evidence. So, um, so I'll, uh, let me get to your to comment here. Uh, so he says that he's creating a separation between Job's previous responses so he can offer a different course of thinking. And that's absolutely right. Uh, we are going to see Elihu reset the entire conversation. Uh, he is going to step back and, and, and he's dispassionate. And, it, and sometimes you need that influence. You just need someone to come in because all of the emotions are up. Job's up, right? His emotions are up. Uh, Elihu's upset at him about that. And, and lie who's upset with these guys over that. And sometimes you need somebody that's really not on either person's side. right? Think of the New Testament. Uh, Jesus says if there's, there's something between people, you, you need a third party. You need somebody to come in that's like, okay, let's slow everything down. Let's step back. Uh, Job's tried to reset. Once he tried to reset the conversation, but he's, again, he's emotionally invested. So it's going to be difficult for him to do that. Uh, You need a third party to do that, and Elihu is that. Uh, So he's like, I'm not on Job's side. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I I don't talk like you. I'm not gonna use your words. I'm just a third party. And and even as we get into uh, the next chapter, we're gonna see a further reset uh, as he speaks to Job. So, so he's kind of talking to them, like not on your side, not on their side, and then he's gonna say basically the same thing to Job. He's listen. We need to talk a different way. Um, So um, I think that's uh, important. So I want to get back to this question um, of why these men get off, though we recognize that they're so far off base. Why is it that they get off with one chapter and then a couple of verses at the end and Job gets I mean hammered I mean he does for I mean nicely uh dispassionately but he gets like an extended sermon um <laughs> from Elihu and then God decides that's not enough I'm gonna come and do some personal tutoring uh here in for a couple of chapters uh from 38 through 41 uh, so um I think it's kind of an interesting thing, um, that though they were more wrong than Job, the way they were wrong was not as bad as the way, increasingly, Job was wrong. I think Job started out better, but I think as it went, we've seen him kind of get more and more off base. And and we see a difference between Job, the criticism of, of Job, and the criticism of the men, he's Chris. you guys were incorrect, you didn't, you know, you're inaccurate, you're extremely inaccurate, and and you never answered accusations. Uh, There's a couple of things that that they did wrong. First of all, they misspoke for God, but their error um, didn't bring God down the way Job did. It did, in a sense. Um, You know, they, they kind of made uh, man, uh, they they made man's logic God's logic, right? Uh, and uh, but Job did something different. Um, Job was off base in a way that took emphasis, and this is what what Elihu first states to 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 Job uh, or about Job is that. Um, he justified himself rather than God, and, and so so Job takes the emphasis off of God and places it on himself. Whereas what did the other guys' speeches were all about? How God works. Now they were wrong, but but they were constantly talking. Well, God does this and God rewards this, and they were very wrong. But in a way, they were they were trying to give god all the absolute credit for everything that happens in the universe so so they didn't diminish god the way job did even though job was more correct which is weird Um, and and so that's the first thing and the second thing there's another comparison we looked at some of the other uh the other things um yeah let me get to some of these comments here uh, Job is condemned by his friends, could be viewed as an additional non-physical suffering, more of a mental test <laughs> to add to his strife. I suppose that's true. Uh, a lot of, if you have, if you go back through and, and look at Job and and a lot of the the things that that he said, he's like, you guys are miserable comforters, you know, you guys are horrible comforters, and, and he went and said, Who's, whose life was helped by you, whose breath or whose you know you guys have done nothing and that was you know it added to his to his suffering and and that's kind of actually my next the next point is there the crimes that they did were against primarily against another human that's bad but but to to do something that is perceived as against god outweighs anything that you do against another human remember uh, David, it's a popular statement I've referenced that probably a number of times, but he says, uh, "Against you only have I sinned." You know, well, no, that's not true. Uh, Job had, or, or excuse me, David had sinned against um, Bathsheba. He had sinned against certainly Uriah the Hittite. Uh, he had sinned against uh, himself. He'd, you know, but he had sinned against God, uh, and that was the primary. Person And in comparison to sinning against God, other people are not, they really don't rape. They have convicted a man. Job's friends have convicted him of sin without evidence. That's a crime. Uh, and however, to, to justify oneself rather than to justify God, that is more notable. And so God is going to spend a little bit more time correcting him. God's going to correct the three friends for their error at the very end. Uh, But he's going to spend a lot of time with God. So I kind of want to do some application before we move on to the introduction of the next chapter here. And um, we've got about 15 minutes. Uh, So, um, but I've, I've always said that it is always safer to give God too much credit than to give him too little credit. And I mean that even if I'm wrong. And let me give you an example. I might have used the example. Um, So I'm not embarrassed about this or whatever. I don't believe in an earth that's millions of years old. I could be wrong. There's a lot of people that tell me I'm wrong. Um, There's increasing pressure, even in the religious community, to believe this and accept it and to try to find it in the Bible. But I don't believe it. Now, I might get to heaven and God might tell me, I gave you carbon dating. I gave you, you know, whatever, whatever. And why would you, you know, why, why wouldn't you believe that? I'm gonna give God too much credit uh, because God seems to indicate here um, a short earth. He seems to indicate seven literal days. Um, that's, that's how I read it. And I don't see a, a need when I read it to interpret it differently. That could be wrong, uh, but I would rather get to heaven and have be you know have God be a little critical of me for misrepresenting something factually uh, than for me to get to heaven uh, and and God to say, you know the uh, on the other way. Why didn't you believe what I wrote? I, I wrote uh, that it was seven days. There was no need for you to interpret it as millions of years. Um, I said evening and morning. That's usually a reference to a day. Why would I say I could be wrong, but there's one way I really, really don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong having given God too little credit for the ability to create in several literal days or, or for God to uh, write a book that means what it says. I, I, I don't want to be wrong that way. So I'd rather be wrong the other way. I'll give you another example. We talk about church leadership. We've talked about church leadership. We've had discussions over church leadership. Um, and, and who can serve and what capacity, right? Um, and you know how how stringent are those qualifications? Okay. Well, are they just suggestions or are they you know kind of absolutes? Again, there's, I could be wrong one way, I could be wrong the other way, but when I stand before God, I, I'm i wrong one way, God would say, you know, you were wrong, you, you knew that was cultural, right? You knew that was just uh, culture. Uh, 2,000 years earlier on a different continent, why would you interpret that to mean that these were still qualifications for your time? I, was, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't expect that things would change, and um and and that's what you wrote, and I was trying to stay true to it. What's God gonna say? Well, God can say a lot of things. He he'll probably be upset that I was incorrect and didn't interpret it correctly. But uh but he might say, you know, something like, you know, there were good people that could have served and you prevented them from from holding roles for which they were incredibly qualified. Okay. So so that I could be wrong. On the other hand, I could get up there. And stand in front of God and say, well, I thought they were just, you know, cultural things and all, you know, you got to say, you realize I'm the creator of the universe and uh, I designed a system for the church to be run, and you decided that you knew smarter than me and, and decided to change it. See, I could be wrong either way. There's a way I want to be wrong in a way I don't want to be wrong. Um, and I think that's kind of the same idea, getting back to Job and, his, and and these three friends. They were wrong, incredibly wrong, in a way that got Elihu angry, but in a way that didn't do God as much harm as the way Job does. So it's just kind of a, an application, and, and it might not necessarily even apply to, to this situation, um, but it's just kind of something that makes me uh, think of... Um, you know in terms of trying to apply this thousand-year-old situation to to our our current time so i want to get into chapter 33 just a little bit we're going to uh just establish a little bit of, of uh chapter 33 as Elihu turns now to talk to Job oh uh let me get to a comment here uh before we move on uh, uh this is proverbs three twelve says because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father uh, then the son delights in could explain why job warranted the longer lecture <laughs> versus his frenemy. i i think that's there's a lot of um there 's a lot of uh, legitimate you know that that 's very legitimate statement that maybe he he knew that job would take it um and Job would co- be corrected, and then that's, that does seem to be, the story is going to sum up with all of them being corrected, and, and all of them accepting correction, um, but I think Job is, is the central figure here, and, and who knows what happens outside of this, this book, we don't know how God interacts with the three friends, or Job after this, really, uh, on a personal level, so, um, you know, he certainly seems to have a Connection with um, with Job that he's working so so maybe that's you know or just the fact that Job is the main character of this of this particular event so um, it's a good thought so 33 we're just going to go through uh, verse one through 11 and we're going to uh, set up the introduction for um, Elihu's rebuke, extensive rebuke of Job. It says, but please, Job, hear my speech and listen to all of my words. So now I open my mouth. My tongue speaks in my mouth. My words come from an upright heart. My lips utter pure knowledge. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. If you can answer me, set your words in order before me and take your stand. Um, We're going to get to verse 6. There's different versions of this, the one I'm reading says, truly, I am as your spokesman before God. Uh, I also have been formed out of clay. Surely no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy on you. Surely you've spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words, saying, I am pure, without transgression, I am innocent. There is no iniquity in me, yet he finds an occasion against me. He recounts he counts me as his enemy and puts my feet in the stocks and watches all of my paths uh so <clears throat> um i want to introduce this first of all I, I i think this is such a a powerful uh, elihu is very intelligent um uh, and in i think we see not a devious shrewdness but he's very shrewd in how he sets this up and, and he sets up a, a few things that are extremely important in resetting i think this is you know Um, As you mentioned, this is the reset to the conversation. Um, And I think he first sets up his person and his character, his humanity. Um, He talks about being made from clay. I'm just like you. I'm just a human. I'm not. Job has had chapters upon chapters of people presenting themselves as higher than him. We're older, or not, no, they weren't older, than they, I don't know if they were older, or younger than Job, same age bracket, whatever, but they presented themselves as superior, anyway. Um, and uh, and he said, I'm just a human like you. Now, he's a, if he's a prophet, he's still a human, right? And this gets us to that verse, I want to handle this, Um verse 6 because is it saying he's a prophet is it not it's not (laughs) also not clear Um, so give you the the literal translation and and so from it have come three different types of translations of this depending on the version you're reading you'll you'll see one of the following three translations and with three different interpretations Um, but literally it says it, it it would read, Lo I am according to your word, for God, from the clay, I also have been formed. Right? <laughs> what in the world? That makes no sense. Um, or so 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 there's this idea according to your word from God or or for God from the clay formed. Um so so some versions have this um uh, To say something to the effect of, I'm also like you made by God from the clay. In other words, this verse is merely a reference to his humanity. Uh, There are two other types of translations which kind of have two thoughts in them. Uh, One is like uh, my version, which says, I'm your spokesman for God, but made from clay. In other words, he would be saying, um, I am one of the things that Job had it says, you know, who's going to go to God for me on my behalf? If we could have a, a court case together, who would who would do that? And so this almost seems to be suggesting that that um, Elihu as a prophet would be being the person to go on behalf of Job to God to present his case. But the problem there is that he doesn't do that. He presents an argument from God to Job. And so there's another uh, interpretation, which I think is probably the better one, Uh it's interesting that the old king james and the new king james have the the opposite uh translation or interpretation i should say he says uh, the old king james says something to the effect of i am in god's stead as you wished We're talking about according to your word or as you wished made from clay in other words i'm a prophet from god this is what you asked for you wanted god to come and, and tell you his position right so i'm coming and i'm going to do that you're not going to like it um I'm, I'm God's representative, which is what you've been asking for, but I'm human. I want you to remember that as I do this, I am a human like you. I've been made from clay like you. I'm not superior to you in any way, but this is what you asked for. So, so I'm gonna, and I think that, that kind of confirms what we've talked about, you know, Elihu being a prophet. Um, again, it's not conclusive uh, because the, the language is very difficult and has multiple ways it can be translated. So just kind of form your own opinion. Uh, but he says, uh, um, I, I want to get back to uh, his, his person. He's setting up his character and he says, I'm upright. Um, and I think he's distinguishing himself. As he resets, he's distinguishing himself from these three friends. These guys have had ulterior motives or you don't have to worry about these motives with me, Job. So you can just listen and, and not be tentative, not be apprehensive about the things I'm going to say. I'm coming from an upright position. I'm going to deal honestly. I'm going to deal with you fairly. Uh, And in fact, we look at his tone and his approach. Uh, Look at the way he even starts. Please, Job, hear my speech. Listen to all my words, not just some of them, and start preparing your defense. Just listen. I'm going to listen to you. He says that later on. I'm going to listen to you. Just listen. and, and it's like a entreating. He he doesn't start, now, Job, you're this. Just listen. Please, just listen. Um, and so he's indicating, I think, a, a compassion and a, a, a more, um, a different tenor to the conversation. We're going to see that. Um, so... Uh, and, and he kind of sets how the conversation is going to go. Listen to my words. Now I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to talk now. Just listen. Right? My words are coming from an upright heart and, and various things. Uh, and so uh, if you can answer me, then set your words in order before me. So, so I'm going to talk now. You listen. Then you prepare your speech. And then you can. Right? We'll, we'll have an orderly conversation. Uh, verse three. What's verse three is significant. What's he what's he saying in verse three? My words come from an upright heart and my lips will utter pure knowledge. What's the point of saying my lips will utter pure knowledge? What's important about that? I mean put that out there. while <clears throat> well, I clear my throat here. Okay, facts. Only, uh, and this gets back to the statement that he made to, uh, 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 differentiating himself from the other three. They got into emotionally charged arguments, right? That that went. Th- I am, I am not that. I'm emotionally removed, and we're going to have just an intellectual based conversation. We're going to tone it down. Uh, and, and you don't have to worry about me getting charged. I'm just going to speak facts. It's going to be intellectual, right? And so verse 7 kind of goes along with that idea. No fear of me is going to terrify you, right? First of all, I'm younger, and, and this tends to not be a intimidation of someone younger, so you're not going to be terrified of me. And and you don't have anything to be afraid of because I'm not gonna speak like they speak. You don't have to be apprehensive about this. I'm not gonna try to intimidate you or or anything like that. We're having a non-aggressive factual conversation. Um, So, um, and then the the last thing uh, I think is really important. And so as we go through these, uh, I wanna think of how we have conversations today because this is a, this if you want to set up you know how you have you know conversations when especially when something's controversial all these things are really important to do they're just as valid today um, as they were you know several thousand years ago uh, uh, and i think the the last one is is really important here it starts in verse 8 it says surely you've spoken in my hearing and I've heard the sound of your words saying, I am pure without transgression. I'm innocent and there's no iniquity in me. Yet he finds occasion with me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in, his, in the stocks and watches all of my paths. What's he doing that's important as he begins this conversation? What is he doing that's really ultimately important in guiding And it has actually multiple reasons why it's important I think um, uh, I don't know if that's uh, Terry or cam, but it's a very disarming uh, preface this, this is this is a lot of what this is to do. Um, first of all, he's rephrasing. Job's position, it's always good when you're in a conversation with somebody and it's been heated or whatever, or, or before it even gets there. Now, he's resetting it, but but before it gets there, uh, <laughs> we are one, <laughs> um, but uh, this is what I'm hearing you say. That's a good thing. This is what I've heard you say. This is what I'm hearing you say. Now, <clears throat> at this time, you know, where the friends would jump in, well, oh, you do this and said this. And that. the friends have put words in his mouth. We've talked about the, the straw man arguments and they've, they've twisted his words. They've, they've, you know, accused him of things that weren't accurate. And, you know, you have ad hominem attacks and you have to kind of answer that and you're getting off of the position. He's like, we're going to have an intellectual conversation about the things you've said. That's what this is about. This is not about you personally. This is about the things you've said, first of all. And so at this point, Job could say, that's not what I said, or or, that's not exactly what I meant, or what have you. This is important to do in any conversation, Uh, but he's quoted, and these are exact literal quotes from other places in Job. This is what he's heard, right? And so it's important. First of all, Job knows that he's not going to be facing a person that's going to twist his words. This, is this accurate? Yes, this is accurate. This is what I've said. And the second thing is, is, once you've established that you said this and you've agreed to it, you can't go back on it. Right? Um, and and we're, we're just about done here. But um, I think all these things are really important. I I knew a guy that he would, um, when he would do a Bible study, it's like people tend to change as you're, as you're um, going through a Bible study, people tend to change what they said in their mind. And, and if you're convincing them, they're kind of in real time being, they're changing their ideas so that by the time you get to the end of the Bible study, they, they have a different opinion then they started with, so he would, he would go through and, and, you know, if he's talking with, uh, you know, whatever, what a person from whatever denominational background is, there's all sorts of different ideas about how salvation is, you know, and, and how that came about. So what he would have them do is he would say, um, <clears throat> uh, could you write down, I would like you to write down your, just write it down. Your story of your conversion. So they would write down the story of their conversion, and he takes it, folds it up, and uh, he puts it in an envelope, and licks it, and closes it. It's kind of kind of interesting thing. So they go through this, their Bible studies or whatever, and then he would say, "Is that what you did?" And they're like, "Oh yes, that's what I did." And then he opens it up and he says, "But that's not what you wrote." Oh. So they've already started changing mind and started to accept what the Bible says about salvation, but, but that's not really what, so, so he's got a record, you know, and that's, I think what, what, what Elihu is doing in a way, he's creating a record. We agree that you said this, That's why God's having me come to you and tell you, this is where you're wrong. You can't, we can't get to chapter 37 and you go, oh, but I didn't say that. No, we've established, you said that you agreed, right? Uh, So I think all of these things are important, not just the tenor, but how the conversation uh, is going to go. So any thoughts uh, as we are going to to finish up here? Anybody have any ideas or or things to add or subtract? We are done with this, so I'll turn it back over to you, uh, Bruce.